You're listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun, a Utah Lake Commission podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. My name is Sam Brager, the programs manager for the Utah Lake Authority and your podcast host. And in today's episode, we wanted to talk about an exciting development that's happened in recent uh, months, I'd say really even the recent last two years, which is called the Utah Lake Preservation Fund Program. And I have two special guests here with us today to help share with us a little bit more about this program and help you as listeners understand why our staff and and our partners are so excited to have uh, this funding opportunity at the lake. So, uh, gentlemen, if you would, please, I've got Paul Burnett and Ken Hoffman here with me. If you would each, uh, let's start with Paul, and we'll go to Ken. Just introduce yourself real quick, let people know what you do in your employment, and also your involvement in the Utah Lake Preservation Fund. Sure. Uh, Well, my name is Paul Burnett. Uh, I'm the non-point source program coordinator for the Division of Water Quality, Um, and I've been in this position for just about a a year, uh, a little over a year now, Um, and uh, yeah, happy to be part of the conversation. Um, I was one of the uh, subject matter experts uh, teams that uh, oversaw the, like reviewed all the projects and, and, uh, and scored them and um, also helped with the application process. Awesome. Thanks, Paul and Ken. I'm Ken Hoffman. I'm the Division of Water Quality Engineering Section Manager. Um, and my roles are a review the upgrades to wastewater treatment plants and also manage the state Clean Water State Revolving Fund, which puts out low interest loans for wastewater treatment plant upgrades. And that program is part of the eligibility uh, for ARPA money that was um, identified in the act. And so Paul's program also with non-point source with the 319 program is also identified as eligible. And so that's why uh, we as staff were were brought in to um, serve as subject matter experts uh, with ARPA reviews. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you for coming on. First and foremost, really appreciate you taking time in your busy schedules to help with uh, sharing information on this. Um, let's get started on just kind of some generals on what the Utah Lake Preservation Fund is. This is the first time it's come around. This isn't something that's been, I, I believe it was launched, Ken, was that, was that last year, 2021, or was it 2022? Yeah, the Utah Lake Preservation Fund was part of the FY22-23 budget that was passed a a year ago, and it identified from the state legislature money that was awarded from the federal government to the state to um, be put out as a competitive grant program to fund wastewater upgrades, stormwater improvements, agricultural non-point source, as well as in-lake water quality improvements. Um, And this was to be run by the division, and then it was uh, evaluated by an executive selection committee with uh, the department heads of Department of Environmental Quality, Department of Natural Resources, and a local senator. Um, Oh, man, I'm blanking on his name. Senator McHale, I think. McHale, yes, there. Thank you, Paul. Awesome. So I guess we have some thanks to the government, the federal government for the funding. Uh, thanks to the state legislature for determining that it should go towards Utah Lake in this specific purpose. And a thanks to the Department of Environmental Quality and Division of Water Quality for helping to get things set up so that this uh, funding can go towards helping uh, protect and preserve Utah Lake and its watershed. Um, so $30 million is what was allocated, right? 
And I, if I remember correctly, do you, do you remember Ken, or, or I don't know if you have a statistic handy on how much was requested of people? Cause I know there was a match element, right? But I think it's far surpassed the fund amount. If I remember correctly, we had some statistics that a uh, director, John Mackey shared at a board meeting back when the uh, process was just, or I think it was during the review process that he mentioned it. Uh, but I don't know if you have that in your notes somewhere. I do uh, have those numbers. Um, you've got a problem. Awesome. $60 million in requests, just over 60 million. Okay. So double the amount requested in projects, right? Yep. So yep. you guys went through a very intense process with uh, yourselves and others as subject matter experts. That's something very commonly done. Um, for those listening, uh, what this means is when there's funding opportunities or, or a need is identified, um, the agency that's taking the lead in this case, DEQ, will put together a team of people who have experience in their field and in their education around the topics pertaining to it. So these uh, individuals that were on the subject matter experts team would have been relevant to the various projects that were being considered. And that's what we'll dive in and talk some about those projects. Um, it's a very similar tactic that's used, um, for instance, the Utah Lake Authority right now is, is drafting its management plan for the lake. So our subject matter experts pull from the Division of Water Quality, um, Division of Wildlife Resources, uh, the Utah Mitigation and, and Conservation Commission, and a variety of other partners who work on the lake, who work on related topics, and and are have their boots to the ground, if you will, on how these things work. So thank you, gentlemen, for your part in that. Um, if you would, uh, Paul, being one of the, the subject matter experts, just give me a brief overview. How did that work? People had to fill out an application, right? They submitted all their documentation on what they wanted to do, their justification of why, how it would help the lake. What did you guys then do as the, the team or committee in reviewing that process? Well, the big thing that we did was we, um, we broke up the, all the proposals into categories and we, we mostly tried to um, rely on uh, the applicants to kind of sort themselves out uh, based on based on their proposals, but um, so like like Ken had mentioned, we we um, we broke them out into to five base broad categories. Basically, they were uh, non point agricultural non point source projects, uh, in lake water quality improvement projects, um, uh, information and education, uh, storm water treatment, and then also uh, water reclamation facility improvements. Um, and yeah, let's, so, oh, let's pause there for a second, if I could, real quick. Just give people a quick synopsis. What what are those five things? What does that mean? Um, to help them understand why that would be a category. Right. Yeah. So like, um, so breaking those down. So like any. So if you if you'll indulge me to get into please the, please do the, um, technology a little bit. Um, so when we look at basically the intent of the of the the um, the fund was to improve water quality in Utah Lake, mm -hmm. and um, so there's the way the way we look at water quality is is we're we're trying to manage pollution pollution sources right and there's two like really broad categories of pollution there's what we call point sources which are if you think about the classic water pollution things that come out of a pipe um, uh, so things like wastewater so our sewage treatment facilities. Uh, storm water, so everything that drains from roads and ends up in a pipe and then is discharged somewhere, uh, those are point sources of pollution. Uh, okay. And then we also have what's called uh, non-point sources, and so that's <laughs> that's basically everything else. <laughs> so if you can think about um, like when a farmer is fertilizing on their fields, or when you're fertilizing your grass, um, water is going to run off of those those areas and it's going to end up in a, a stream system or eventually in the lake. And so, um, so 
so basically we're looking at the different projects and categorizing them either as, you know, projects that are benefiting uh, wastewater facilities like sewage systems or uh, projects that are kind of more uh, addressing some of the, the broader uh, non-point source pollution issues, uh, you know, such as uh, so agricultural runoff, um, store, uh, uh, like um, some stormwater runoff, uh, that sort of thing. So Sure, less from a point, right? Less controlled. Exactly. I think yep. to, to your point, uh, I'll jump in and throw out a, a bone for the Utah Lake Authority, specifically our one of our projects we submitted for the non-point source section um, is what we refer to as our field trip lesson development. What that is, is the, the authority and the commission before us offers field trips for fourth graders down at the lake. And we have curriculum that's designed around the state curriculum lessons and um, that teach people about that or teach fourth graders, excuse me, not people, I mean, they're people too, but specifically fourth grade <laughs> curriculum. Um, to teach them about the lake and about the projects that are going on and how to care for it. And so some of our lessons already integrated some of those elements and we wanted to do an update and, and maybe even flesh out a few more lessons. And so that's one project that fell under non-point source because our lessons teaching these kids is not influencing a wastewater treatment plant's outflow, but it is influencing these kids as they grow up and their families and their friends on how they interact with Utah Lake and the environment to try and help them hopefully, you know, pollute a little bit less, if you will. So it's a great yeah. clarification, Paul. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. And I should just say that, um, you know, information uh, in education, which is basically what, uh, what, what you're talking about, um, that's, that's a huge component of, of, um, reducing non-point source pollution, because uh, honestly, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna eliminate non-point sources of pollution or, or even point sources. But, but what we can do is, is, um, educate people on, you know, things that they can do to reduce, reduce our impact on, on our water quality. And that's a, it's a huge component, really important. Great point. Great point. Thanks. Ken, did you have anything to add on that? I, I couldn't tell you there if you were starting to chime in when I said Paul's name. Good? No, I'm good. Okay. Well, I'm still coming to you though. <laughs> um, on our, the next question I want to ask you is just with, with this fund. So we've got $30 million got allocated to the lake. If I remember correctly, we were 18 projects. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So 18 total projects that got funded. Um, 30 million is being allocated from the grant fund, but those projects had to allocate their own funds as well in part. So what's the total impact that we're talking about in improvement dollars because of this fund? I mean, I guess, including the fund. Paul, do you know your number? Um, uh, on the on the seven projects that are uh, wastewater treatment plant projects and a stormwater project and an agricultural project that were all um, taken by by my side of, mm -hmm. um, of our shop, it's a $169 million worth of project work that will be occurring um, through those seven projects. Okay. And Paul, how about you on the, uh, the non-point source stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was it was um, much less than that. A lot of our a lot of our non-point source projects tend to be smaller, uh, smaller type projects. But um, you know, in looking at the numbers, uh, there's uh, probably another um, ten million or so contributed. Okay. Uh, by okay. Par project partners. In, so we're looking at the neighborhood of one hundred and eighty million dollars that's going to be coming from the benefit of these projects. And Paul, although the numbers may be smaller, we all know they're they're just as important. There's all these pieces to the puzzle that come together, whether it's field trip lessons or wastewater treatment plan upgrades, there's a lot coming to the table. 
So Ken, if you would, on some of the projects that you're over, um, maybe just pick out one or two that you'd like to highlight for people. Obviously, um, for those listening, we'll have information to the website for the Preservation Fund. You can read all about the specific projects that are there. Um, but Ken, if you would take, you know, let's say two, and Paul, maybe you pick two or three, because I think your list is a little bit longer. Maybe you do three. Just highlight a couple projects for people. It could be your pet favorite or one you think is really easy for people to understand. I know there's a couple that when I read the titles, I wasn't sure what they were. Um, but please, I'd love to hear from you guys. Let's, let's feature a couple of these projects that are being funded with this uh, grant program. Sure. Around the lake, we have major, major wastewater treatment plant upgrades going on. A lot of the focus of those facilities is um, reducing the amount of nutrient loading to Utah Lake to help with harmful algal blooms in the lake. And so communities like Spanish Fork and Payson City uh, are doing nearly completely complete rebuilds of their wastewater treatment plants. They're going to more modern technology that has the capability to remove um, water pollution like nitrogen and phosphorus. And with those upgrades, they're very substantial. They're very challenging. They're always economically difficult. And so they'll be doing total plant upgrades with both of those. Spanish Fork is heading into construction shortly, Pace and Cities in design currently. Um, in addition to those, we have some projects that are a little bit not as immediate, but they're, they're getting going really quickly. Um, and that's a project like Timpanogos. They're doing a project that they're going to begin reusing their treated effluent from their wastewater treatment plant. And that water will be um, getting filtered and hit with ultraviolet disinfection to non-detect levels for constituents like E. coli. And then it's going to be reused around the lake for um, irrigation, and, and that'll allow water more available in their communities for other uses. Um, so uh, communities like American Fork, Saratoga Springs, um, that are in those areas of Timpanogos. Timpanogos is a regional plant, so it serves, mm -hmm. I believe, possibly 11 communities on uh, right. the northern side of the lake there. So very substantial project that they're working with their, their local partners um, as a desire from their communities that they serve, so. So I, I love that you hit on um, that there's a variety of the, the plants. You actually reminded me of a, a comment that we saw when we first shared this on social media. There was a couple different people that were saying, well, why isn't Provo on that list? Well, maybe you can speak to this as well, Ken, but from my understanding, it was just a matter of timing. Provo City had already begun and also, if I remember correctly, had received a substantial loan through the Division of Water Quality to help with their treatment plant, but they've already got their funding covered, so they didn't need to apply for this grant. Is that right? That is correct. Um, Provo at this time, I believe, has the approximately $85 million in loan from the Clean Water State Revolving Fund, as well as $7 million in grant funds from that program. So I believe in that respect, Provo um, kind of bowed out of this one and, and let some of its surrounding communities um, get some more help with uh, some grant funds for, for their projects. So Provo is well underway. Um, it's uh, mid-construction at this point. Uh, they're putting in a membrane bioreactor, which is a very high-quality new wastewater treatment plant. Um, and I, I think they should be finishing that construction sometime around 2025. 
Awesome. So on the point source side, really what we're talking about here is primarily wastewater treatment facilities where they are reducing their nutrients that they put into the lake, which is the nutrients we as citizens are giving them, right, from our sources of water that are coming in. So it's a great way of helping people understand there's a very direct effect on what is going into the lake, which is phosphorus and nitrogen, as you mentioned, which is the food source for harmful algae blooms. And so it's a very important thing to look at um, improving that process as much as we can. So we're grateful that the funding has that available on that. Were there any other projects you wanted to hit on, Ken? Or are we ready to switch over to Paul here? Uh, we, we can switch on over. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for summing those up. I really appreciate it. Paul, I'm going to give you free reign, but uh, be forewarned when you finish, I may have one or two others I may want to hit on too. So please, what do you got for <laughs> well, us? Well, I, yeah, we we um, we had quite a few projects that I think are notable and really kind of um, uh, uh, interesting to talk about. Um, first off, I guess I should should mention that we did, we did provide funding for additional um, carp removal in Utah Lake. And um, I don't know if your listeners listeners are familiar with the with the um, the issue with carp in in the lake, but um, uh, carp removal has been pretty effective at improving water quality in Utah Lake to some extent. Um, their carp, their behavior is to to stir up sediment when they when they eat and they uproot aquatic vegetation, and um, so they can mobilize a lot of the what we call nutrients, basically fertilizer in the lake. Uh, that that really feeds um, that that uh, harmful algal blooms. So um, that was that was a, a critical one for us to to be able to fund to continue that. Um, I think for for at least two more years. Um, so uh, so that that's definitely notable. I, I, and also, I guess I should just say that that carp removal isn't a silver bullet uh, solution in Utah Lake. It's it's one of many sure. one of many solutions that we that we need to. Um, that we need to put on the ground, but um, just a couple others that uh, that I was um, really excited to see. Um, we funded what's called uh, what's called no-till drills for uh, some of the conservation districts. So, um, conservation districts, uh, if if you don't if you don't know, is is kind of a is a, a district of of mostly agricultural producers. They they get together and they they um, uh, they're they're actually a subdivision of the state, but they um, uh, they. Uh, help guide uh, decisions uh, of agricultural land use, uh, natural resources decisions, uh, restoration work, that sort of thing, kind of at the local level. Um, and uh, so one of the one of the emphases that uh, several of the con conservation districts has, have been pushing um, in in several areas of the state is, is soil health uh, and improving uh, improving how uh, the uh, mostly mostly people who are farming. How they're um, how they're addressing um, uh, both erosion uh, runoff and then and then just the general health of their soil and so uh, we were able to work with uh, several conservation districts and help them uh, uh, purchase uh, no-till drills. Basically, what that is is it's a it's a piece of farming equipment that they can they can rent out or lease out to other farmers. Um, and it basically what it does is it cuts through. It's like it has like discs uh, on the back of a tractor that cut through the soil allow them to plant uh, seeds, but not like totally, you know, dill up, tr drill up um, or, or till up the soil uh, in a way that disturbs it. And, and um, so that helps with, with uh, like carbon, um, carbon storage in the soil and more carbon means, you know, more efficient uh, uh, water usage for plants um, and then better filtration as well. So, um, so really key for, for, um, for agricultural producers. Um, again, it's a, it's, it's really a, 
it's it's not like required. It's it's all, all voluntary, but it, but it mm-hmm. offers them the opportunity. That's a missing link in a lot of cases is that no-till drill. So we were able to work with several of the conservation districts all the way up uh, up into the headwaters of the Provo. So like there was a question of like, why, why would why would Camas Conservation District Manor? Uh, because it's part of the watershed. And, and so like if, if we've got healthy farmlands and healthy watersheds or healthy streams upstream, then that's gonna that's gonna lead to a healthier Utah Lake. So okay, that was um, gonna be my question. If I understood you correctly, these no-till drills are more efficient and at how they're doing the the work on the land. And as a result, the assumption I, I'm taking from what you said is the farmers need potentially less fertilizer as well as potentially less water use as well, which then means less fertilizer pollution down towards the lake and also more water available. Is that correct? Yep, exactly. Yep. Awesome. So it seemed to some people might, I'm glad you brought that one up because I think to some people that might seem like a, how on earth is this helping yeah. the lake? But to your point about your point about carp removal, it's about tools in, in the toolkit. It's not one solution. It's so many different things. How can we look at, and I love that that's how this approach went with this preservation fund is that it tackled so many different ways that can all contribute towards helping the lake, not just here's one solution. That's the only thing we want to fix. So I love that you brought that up. Please continue though. It's not like you had another project ready. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, just the other one was um, uh, we funded a couple of wetland uh, restoration projects or wetland construction projects actually around, around Utah Lake. One was with the Utah Lake Authority uh, yep. to, uh, to, to construct wetlands um, in, a, in a, uh, an area where uh, hopefully we'll be able to treat um, either uh, wastewater or, or, or runoff before it gets to the lake through, through a wetland. Uh, and we can talk about that if you want. Um, but basically run, run the water through the wetland before it gets into the Utah Lake to, to you know, reduce the nutrients in the lake. Um, and then we also funded one uh, in the Saratoga Springs area as well, right along the shores. Uh, again, the whole idea is with, with these constructed wetlands is, is you get, you've got runoff that's either that has, has basically just run right, right to the lake without, you know, being filtered by anything. So that, that runoff water is bringing nutrients, it's bringing sediment, it's bringing pollution with it. If we can slow it down by running it through wetlands, uh, then all the wetland plants and, and, um, and bugs and, and everything can process the nutrients before that water gets into the lake. So you end up with cleaner water getting to the lake first, uh, by, by running it through these filters or sponges, basically. That's a great point where we've got the point sources like wastewater treatment plants. You can put a filter, right? A better filter on or something right there on that outlet. But these wetlands, as you mentioned, they're nature's filter, right? For the sources that are non-point source that we can't really control that come from far ranging everywhere from Camas, as you mentioned, in the watershed all the way down to the shoreline of Utah Lake when there's neighborhoods there, these wetlands make a big difference. And the two that were funded here and also the Pro River Delta project that's coming in these the, currently it's wrapping up next year. They're going to be important parts of the ecosystem of helping the water quality improve at the lake. So those are definitely very exciting. I'm, I'm glad you brought both of those up. Um, another one I wanted to mention, I know we've, we've helped a lot with Linden City is their uh, city ditch piping issue. And I know typically the, the approach is more often trying to have less piped in to have more natural uh, approach. However, uh, if anybody has listened to the podcast, we've mentioned this before, and it's, it's been an issue ongoing of E. coli at the lake. And there was one coming down the Linden, uh, the Linden City Ditch that the I believe the Division of Water Quality and the city were working together trying to figure out where exactly it's coming in, how is it happening. But it was kind of hard to control uh, being, uh, I, I think, technically this class of under a non-point source, if I remember correctly, right? Um, That's correct. Yeah. Yep. So what ended up being the the simplest solution was to close in a few sections of this ditch 
which the hope then, or the understanding with this project is not only potentially reducing, but maybe removing that E. coli contamination at the lake, which has been an ongoing issue. Um, so I'm really excited to see that one happen too. I want to make sure I brought that up. So there's a lot of great projects and you guys have done a, a marvelous job. Thank you again, both of you to summing up a few of these uh, awesome projects that are going on. Um, as I mentioned before to listeners, you can go, we'll have the links in the show notes. So you can go look at the website and read more about these projects and learn about how this is all working. Um, but before we wrap up, Paul or Kim, is there anything more that you want to add to make sure listeners are aware of in regards to the preservation fund and the projects that are happening? Uh, no, I think just, um, I would just uh, recommend people go to our website. We, if you type in uh, Utah Lake Preservation Fund, there should be a, there should be a map there that, that shows where we funded all of our projects. And um, we're happy to, I think there's an email address. If people have questions about it, we're happy to answer. Great point, Paul. Kent, anything to add? Yeah, just, you know, really want to thank the legislature for um, obligating this money to the, the division to, to put out to Utah Lake. It's such an important water body of the state and requires such a collaboration between local municipalities, state you know, agencies, um, nonprofits, universities, everyone who's involved is, is so critical. Um, so we feel very fortunate that this grant money came available. It's, it's so rare to get a, a big um, pot of grant money like this. It's probably going to be the only time ever in my career that I, I, I touch this much money um, that's going out purely as grant that doesn't have to be repaid, um, that can go to projects that, that might not otherwise be feasible. Um, so we just feel really fortunate at the division to um, be part of this and, and, and to be part of some of the other programs that were done by the state legislature. This preservation fund was specifically targeted at Utah Lake. Um, there are a few other ones like the governor's office and planning and budget ran a similar grant program statewide and there's a southern Utah reuse grant program. Um, those were, I think, all smaller than this one um, that just shows the importance of Utah Lake. Um, so we, we really appreciate everyone who applied, who took the time to put together applications for us um, from the municipalities to the Utah Lake Authority to um, even some of the private partners or private parties who brought in applications and ideas. Um, you know, we're, we're going to continue working on this for, for a long time to come. Um, like you said, there's no, no silver bullets to this. So um, we're really um, looking forward to seeing these projects get construction constructed during the, uh, well, we got about, we got about two and a half years left that we can build things. All this say, yeah, end of to, 2026. Yeah. yeah, December 31st, 2026, we need to have this money put out. So um, that to some folks that might sound like that's a long time off, but with with some of these major municipal projects and, and even the small ones, um, it's a big lift to, to take a project from planning to getting funding, to securing your matching funding, uh, to, to getting construction going on. So um, just really excited about, about the process and um, being part of it. 
Awesome. Well, Ken and Paul, thank you both so much for taking the time to chat. Uh, again, uh, to listeners, we'll have a, a link to their web, the website for the Preservation Fund in the show notes. Feel free to go check it out and look at the projects. As Paul mentioned, there's some contact info there if you have additional questions or want to learn more about one of the topics. Um, otherwise, we hope you share this episode. We hope you uh, let people know that this is going on at the lake, that there's a lot of great preservation work happening to help improve the water quality and the shoreline of the lake. And uh, we uh, hope you come back to the next episode and the next and the next and the next to continue to learn from great resources like Paul and Ken and others that help us on this podcast. Thanks for listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe so that you can receive notifications each time an episode comes out on Thursday mornings. And if there's something in here that you feel you can share, please post the link online, share with your friends so that everyone else can also learn about the facts, fiction, and fun to do with Utah Lake.